And here comes Chris Paul. One small step for man. And the Phoenix Suns will give it to Booker with a drive and a season high of 47. You have to be willing to rewatch a movie. Oh, hell yeah. Strawberry banana. Please don't aggregate this. Lillard, long range three. Ah! Their defense is atrocious. John Pogsoda, the rock star. Tiso is the official watch of the NBA. Everybody who listens to this podcast knows how I feel about aggregation. I'm oddly intrigued by neck tattoos. Now we love China. We love no playing here. It comes a dunk. Shut up and listen. You think you're better than me? Bye! All right, welcome back. Swish FM, Chris Wendelkin here. We're flying solo. Ben is up against a work deadline. We got a real treat for you folks. He has uh, skipped Fallon. He's put Colbert on hold. Seth Meyers, I'm sorry, but no. Uh, you guys know him from Frasier, The Magicians, Mad Men. He's the star of a new one-act play called The Great Filter, running July 1st to 3rd at The Wild Project in New York City. Great to have him back on the show, Trevor Einhorn. Welcome back, Trev. Wow, Chris, that's the best intro I've had <laughs> maybe in the last two years. I, maybe ever. That's a, Come that's on. A, that's a fantastic intro. No, I'm serious. And all accurate. Welcome back to New York City, baby. I mean, we got you back in town. You're back in the city, summer in the city. It feels really good. Yeah. I was also really excited that, like, uh, just... Uh, real hard turn to basketball real quick that like the Knicks oh my were God. in the playoffs and I'm here I'm like oh I'm going to MSG <laughs> I'm going to go to MSG and I'm going to go to MSG when the Lakers are playing the Knicks in the finals that's where my mind went instantly Ugh. and uh, we're in a way different reality a fantasy we? for both of us yeah <laughs> yeah that ended real quick it didn't turn yeah, out that real way quick. all right we got a lot to cover here so yes. w- let's get to it we're talking uh new york city theater we're going to talk some nba basketball you're a diehard laker fan so we're going to cover it all yep. but let's start with the uh the project that brought you here trev so let's talk some nuts and bolts on this play so it's awesome an existential thriller in one uh-huh. act it's called the great filter yeah. astronauts as they return to earth they're getting to ready to rejoin the world uh, Trev, we're, we're talking outer space here. Be straight with me. Uh, w- w- what are we dealing you, with here? You, uh, you, you did some research, my friend. Looked into it, this. You, let me just say it's it's really good to be back on the pod. Uh, I love the Swish FM family, and uh, thank you for having me. Of course. Truly. Yes. Okay. You covered a lot of broad strokes. I don't think I could give you huge details okay. story wise, but I will say this. I'll just give you the history of how this came to be, and maybe that'll you know wet your beak enough. Uh, so my co-star on the magicians, uh, Jason, Ralph and I, we've collaborated on a few other projects before, and we were playing around with the idea a while ago of really wanting to do a two hander, you know, like, and wouldn't it be, we were throwing around maybe Rosencrantz, Guildenstern, like what could be fun. And then we just were like, yeah, but it'd also be fun if we could write our own original or or do an original off Broadway play as well. And uh, our very talented dear friend, Frank Winters, we called him up and commissioned him. We gave him like two basic ideas. One, we wanted to do a two-hander, an outlet for Jason and I. 
and I think we want to be astronauts. That's all we gave him. And, uh, and we then sort of had a, a really amazing conversation about something that we were all sort of inspired by, um, the Apollo 11 mission, which is actually a really big talking point right now. It's been a 50-year anniversary. And we didn't know, we didn't even think about that at the time of putting this up. But when they returned back from the moon, from that you know very famous moon landing, on their journey back to Earth, this incredible journey back to Earth, they, they went through space, literally through space to the moon and back. And the second they landed, they made them sequester in an airstream for three weeks. The door opens and out come America's Apollo 11 astronauts waving, uh, albeit their faces completely covered by these B.I.G. suits. On the one hand, you got rooms full of scientists saying, we don't think there are any germs up there, but should there be, we ain't gonna expose the population of the Earth to these germs. So they had all these procedures. So they get back to Earth and they say, welcome back. You don't get to see anyone for three weeks. What? Nixon waving to the astronauts. The curtains have been drawn. And there they are in the rear window. Have you been able to follow some of the things that happened when you've gone? Did you know about the All-Star game? Yes, yes sir. The, uh, the capsule communicators have been giving us uh, they daily news posted. reports. Yeah. Were you American League or National League? I'm a National League man. National I'm nonpartisan, sir. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's the politician in the group, right? <laughs> so, yeah, they kept them uh, isolated because at the time, I don't think they really knew what was going, what they were exposed to. And they just sort sure. of went with this protocol while they were like dealing with materials and rocks and stuff like that. So there's this great sort of feeling of like, even though you accomplish this amazing feat, when you get back to Earth, what do you have anymore? You know, like what, what, what did they, they were just alone together, you know, looking through a little tiny window, taking these little press conferences. So we were inspired by that. And our play sort of takes place um, after a mission and uh, something goes horribly wrong. We don't really know what, and we sort of, it's, it's one act. So the lights go on and you're along for the ride. And it sort of deals with a lot of great themes that, you know, of vulnerability and what do you need out of a person who's a friend, who's a coworker, and sometimes just being there for another person is all you need. So we're really excited about this show. Yes, it does have a space backdrop. Yes, it is an existential thriller uh, in the sci-fi world. But, you know, I'll throw a joke in there. You'll get a couple, you know, good, good Einhorn laughs here or there. But uh, uh we have a really talented group that we're doing this with. Frank, who wrote the play, is also directing it. And Jason, like I said, is uh, starring in it with me. And we couldn't be more excited. Wow, I didn't realize Frank wrote this for you guys. So you commissioned Frank to write this piece for you. Yes, yes. We've collaborated with Frank on a few other pieces and projects in the past. And he's extremely talented. And we love working with him. You know, you first ask if he can do it or if he will do it. He said yes and was completely on board. And uh, I I couldn't tell you how much fun this has been. That's the framework of the play. The other uh, uh, bits of it is that we felt very lucky that we were able to say, like, let's try to put a play on. Let's try to do this. And, you know, during the pandemic, just trying to say that you want to do anything even making a decision to go out of the house was was a big decision. So when we were looking at the timing of this and whether it's even possible, we didn't want to just do this 
without having a fundraising element. So we spent a lot of time looking for the right organization and foundation that we wanted to partner with that could represent what we believed in. And uh, all of the proceeds from this play are going to the Cultural Solidarity Fund. They're sort of a uh, offshoot with the Indie Theater Fund. And what they do, uh, they're an amazing initiative. They, they give micro-relief grants uh, directly to the artists and cultural workers that are recovering from, you know, the past two years, uh, the people that need it the most. So we wanted to do two things. We wanted to highlight off-Broadway as things were coming back because it's amazing that Broadway is getting a, a ton of spotlight, but we really wanted to highlight the off-Broadway portion that, you know, has such a big spot in our hearts. And also we wanted to try to find a way to give back you know, during this crazy time as we're still getting out there. And uh, I think we have a really cool project and it's it's been a really fun fundraiser. The response has been amazing. For our audience, to put this in perspective, you know, when we talk about micro grants, the Cultural Solidarity Fund, which is incredible, we're, we're literally talking about $500 grants to people, to artists, so they can cover basic expenses like food and housing. I mean, basic living exactly. expenses. I mean, this has obviously been a really really difficult time the last couple of years for, for everyone. Uh, so Trev, you know, props to you guys for helping people get back on their feet and then also just rebuilding kind of, you know, the fabric of the city here, which is the off-Broadway and Broadway theater community. So we're doing the show at the Wild Project. First, I'll say it was really hard to find the perfect place to do it because uh, so sad, a lot of these places, these off-Broadway, you know, houses, like, they were closed down yep. like most businesses were. And, you know, uh, the wild project was one of the few places that had all the appropriate, uh, COVID package in their HEPA filters and they were, they were safe. They had all the up-to-date, you know, filtration systems that we needed to like sort of open up, you know, based off of CDC guidelines. And we couldn't be more lucky to find this place. But then we found out that the wild project is also, they're trying to raise money to save the wild project as well. We didn't know that at the time. So they're working with the indie theater fund as well. So we're going to do all we can there to raise awareness of more donations for the Wild Project. It's really turned into a big mission. We're the first off-Broadway play back. We're going to be the first original off-Broadway, first original play, I think, going this year in New York. So we have some really cool things that we're excited about. It takes a lot of hands on deck. We're doing a virtual element as well. That was from the jump. We wanted to do three shows and we're filming those shows, and we wanted to bring, if we could, get people excited about what going to a black box off-Broadway theater experience looks like. If there's a way to create that intimacy um, while everyone's been, you know, streaming theater a little bit more, where it doesn't feel like, you know, grandma's in the back holding a tripod, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Maybe we could give a more dynamic cinematic experience, similar to, like, how great Hamilton did on this big platform, right? What is the what is bridging the gap of that sort of off-Broadway feel? Um, we got really inspired uh, in and of itself. I don't know if you saw that on Hulu. Uh, was another off-Broadway show, one-man one show, like sort of magic show that was really, really cool. And so we're trying to capture something. We're working with uh, Gummy Pictures. Uh, they're going to be a production company with us on this. Yeah, so people could buy tickets to the live, which sold out pretty quickly, which was amazing. And then the virtual, you sort of get a ticket uh, a link you can do and all of this goes to the cultural solidarity fund so that's going to go up after we film the shows at the end of july we're going to edit it put it all up and hopefully like 
we're inspiring people to do this, not just in New York. You know, we want this to sort of maybe open up a new medium that I, I think Off-Broadway deserves. Um, and it, it could be really fun. So you're you're really wearing two, three, four hats here in that you're... Too many hats. Yeah, man. Yeah. I mean, you guys are producing this. You're performing yeah. in this. You're, you're you know, ca- kind of carrying the banner for lots of different things here. Talk to us just from the creative end, like how is the rehearsal process going? Like you guys having a good time? Where, where are you at? Like are, yeah. are there new pages coming in? Is, is the scripts uh, totally set, set in stone? It, it's, it's a working document right now still. And we're about a month away and it's, uh, it's really fun. Like we have, we have the lay of the land, so we're not worried about that, but we're finding it, you know, we find it in rehearsals too. So we're putting it we're up on about outer space feet. here, Trev. I mean, this is, you know, this yes. is big stuff. <laughs> Yeah. You know, as people yeah. spend their whole it's life getting ready idea. to go to outer space. You're trying to do this in a couple of weeks here. Couple of weeks, yeah. I flew in from Los Angeles, Jesus. so you know, like that's that's already a long enough flight. Forget space. One step for man. Jeez, Louise. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, to be honest, like we've sort of been—it's it, a real family affair. We have some amazing set designers. Our friend uh, James Ortiz designed an incredible set. Jason and I have been going through the city, dumpster diving, finding little pieces here of like scrap metal that we're putting together. You know, like there's just some fun. It—it's it, really tapping into. We, we feel so lucky that we get to do this, and yeah. yes, it's for an amazing cause that we feel so passionately about. But selfishly, it, it's tapping into um, a very cool artist feeling uh like in my bones that jason and i feel like we haven't been able to fully express in a long time so we we feel really lucky on many levels and also just to shout out a couple of our producing partners uh rachel brosnahan scrap paper pictures and russell khan from from their company have been helping us from the ground floor and it's been such an amazing collaboration we're also collaborating with new york forever I don't know if you've been seeing them around yep. town, but uh, we reached out to them and they're sort of going to help us with the virtual push. You know, um, they're just an amazing group of people that are sort of highlighting all things New York. And when we called them and said, we want to highlight off Broadway, we feel like Broadway, which is definitely one of the biggest <laughs> reasons why New York is on the map, is getting such you know needed attention. We want to help bring some attention to the off Yeah, I mean, for people maybe who don't know a lot about the ecosystem here with the theater world, like Off-Broadway very much is a feeder system for Broadway, right? Like Off-Broadway is where a lot of the great stuff that you see on Broadway is frankly developed, you know? And, yeah. you know, it's it's the off-Broadway community is really where you see the most vital cutting-edge stuff uh, in, in the New York theater scene. So... Um, what you guys are doing is great. We're super excited. And Thanks, Chris. Thanks for letting us talk about it. And uh, I'm excited for people to see it. And um, also, if anyone's listening, if you don't want tickets to the show, if you think what I'm saying is scary, annoying, or whatever, uh, there are direct links to donate to the Cultural Solidarity Fund, if that rang true to you. So um, I really appreciate you letting us talk about it. But let's talk about basketball. All right, right? showbiz enough aside. With theater, enough with this theater mumbo jumbo. All right, you're Get a your huge... You're a huge, lifelong Los Angeles Lakers fan. Uh, Let's talk about last night, the series against the Suns, and then I want to kind of zoom out and talk about the the season at large and kind of next steps for the Lakers. But let's start with last night. And the Phoenix Suns have gone on the road after missing the playoffs for 11 consecutive years and beaten the defending champion on their home court in the first round. Yeah, you knew... 
you knew from the jump, right? Yeah. You knew. I, I mean, uh, uh, you, I, I think Phoenix. If I was not a Laker fan and I was watching Phoenix, I I'm going. They're my dark horse right now because Devin Booker is so freaking exciting and has this grit. First guy in the play, like first time in the playoffs. You miss that opportunity you know you miss seeing people with that opportunity and he's playing out of his mind out of his mind thursday night laker nation takes one on the chin the lake show they're eliminated in game six against the phoenix suns devin booker goes for 22 points 22 of his 47 points in the first quarter the suns won their first playoff series since 2010 they eliminate the lakers 113 to 100 Anthony Davis, we know about him. He was questionable heading into game six with a groin strain. He tried playing last night, lasted about five minutes, limped over to the bench. So, Trev, the Lakers were, let's be real, they were run off the floor in their own building in the first it round was, of the NBA it, playoffs. It, uh, from game one, from game Chris one. Chris Paul was playing with one arm. So yeah. how exactly did this happen? The whole season, I'm not going to lie, the whole season watching the, the Lakers – I was so excited that we came off of a weird championship. Let's be honest; like it was the it was a bubble championship, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but I was thrilled on an emotional level because it did feel like this one was for Kobe. You know, on, on every level, like the NBA wanted the Lakers to win. I wanted the Lakers to win, and the Lakers wanted themselves to win. Cut to we cut out Dwight Howard. We cut out Javale McGee. We cut out people that I actually Danny thought Green. I never wanted, yeah, Danny Green, like X factor in the sense of like experience. So I didn't really ever from the beginning of the season knew who we were really leaning on besides AD and LeBron. And that's hard to build around. And, and I don't know why it had to feel like such a rebuild of, oh, but I love Montrezl Harrell, but I feel like he never knew what his role was. He never played. Was he center? Was he power forward? Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, and I also like Caruso this year. Like, there are pieces about the Lakers that I like. So I think I think there are two things happening. It's like, you, you got the, you, we, we could talk about the injuries, you know, we could talk about like LeBron and AD. Your two, anyone's two best players get hurt, you're going to have a hard time making a deep playoff run contending for a championship. But then there are also just like structural problems with the roster and that's probably the biggest issue right I, I think okay so you tell me if you've had this feeling as well i left the game yesterday i woke up this morning i was thinking about like what about that was one so boring like just to even see them fall apart like i found that we were so lucky to have teams in the past that made championship runs consistently because they had like in the past you know like you had a lakers three-peat you had golden state and i'm finding that those teams that you knew it was special at the time but it's even more few and far between now with so much superstars jumping around just trying to get the one ring and go yeah it's hard to get behind. I, 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 well, they're I shorter, like knowing, they're like, shorter contracts, right? So like players, yeah. players, frankly, are with teams for sh- shorter periods of time, but the shorter contracts also creates this environment and the salary cap where like people are, as soon as you sign a contract, you're liable to be traded. I mean, there are about like three or four untradeable players in the league and everyone else, as soon as you ink the deal, it's like, all right, well, this guy makes $10 million. Maybe we can send, send them to this team or that team. Um, and, and I really do think everyone on the Lakers felt disposable, you know, other than AD and LeBron. Like, they made it too vocal that, like, I I can't tell you a lineup that I liked I, this season. I cannot tell you a lineup that worked perfectly this season. And 
okay, cool. Andre Drummond comes in. Mark Gasol comes in. Like, I like these guys. These are these are fine guys to like, and nothing gelled. Nothing gelled. I mean, I, LeBron, I'm done with Kuzma. Yeah, LeBron hurt his ankle in March, and frankly, like the team was never the same after that. They went 18 and 21 after he injured his ankle in March, and they they barely beat a mediocre Warriors team in the play-in game. And the thing is, I just don't know what the B list was. Even if he, I don't know what the plan was. If one of them goes down, it can't just be one of them goes down and nothing. I, I, I never saw it. It shouldn't actually be that surprising. Like LeBron is 37, 38 years old. Like the, the frankly, <laughs> totally. the, the fact that he's still doing this at this level is incredible. So it's not, it's not surprising that, you know, he would twist his ankle and need time off. Anthony Davis was, had a pretty serious Achilles injury throughout the season. And then he, he tried yeah. to come back in the playoffs, hurt his groin. But like, this is a guy over the last three seasons, Anthony Davis, that has played 56, 62 and 32 games. He has a checkered injury history. It's, it's not surprising that he was unable to stay on the court. And I just don't know how the Lakers change up the roster. They don't have any draft picks. They they gave up all their draft picks to acquire Anthony Davis. So I don't know how you bring a new Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard. Get rid of the whole team and bring in Dame. That's what I want. Well, I don't know. I've always wanted Damian Lillard as a Laker. You, I know you. Damian you Lillard? love yeah. you. I mean, I have to say, you have always had a special place for Lillard. Yeah, heart. but like. I don't have an answer for their problem. They seem so scattered. It's so hard to see a championship team who didn't really change that much in talent go out in the first round. You know, yeah, I can't. I can't confidently say here. Oh man, Danny Green really made the difference. No, no man, didn't. it's like it wasn't Danny Green. Oh, Markeith Morris should have had more minutes. No, he shouldn't. Like. I just don't know what the team was to begin with. LeBron's amazing. LeBron and AD are their two best players, and there is, frankly, a seismic gap between the second and third best player on their team. I mean, like, roster spots on the Lakers, roster spots three through nine just aren't very good. I mean, DeAndre Ayton and Cameron Payne were absolutely cooking while Devin Booker and a hobbled Chris Paul were just doing their thing. And And that is the crux of it. The Lakers have no secondary... They have no secondary help. Beyond LeBron and AD, they have no other go-to guy, right? And, and like, I'm not trying to shit on coaching or anything like that, but it is weird as a fan that watches the games to not know what Frank Vogel's backup lineup is. I I don't want to know by the playoff run that we're still trying lineups, that we're still, like, testing what works. Like, uh, Horton Tucker's awesome. But why the heck is he getting why are we why are we bouncing him around? I don't know. That's just bad coaching to me. When you look at Phoenix's coaching, it's amazing. They brought in Andre Drum- Drummond on a buyout deal. He immediately becomes the starter, and he was so impactful that last night he was a DNP in the final game of the playoffs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? It just yeah. feels like they have they have a very confused outlook and I don't understand the direction. Um I don't understand what they'll find it. Yeah. They'll get it together. Yeah. yeah, they'll get it together. I think there's some drama. I think there's some drama going on in in, in the locker room. I'm nervous. They have about together. seven open roster spots in free agency here. So Schroeder, Morris, Drummond, Matthews, Horton Tucker, Caruso, Jared Dudley, Ben McLemore. They're all free agents. Marcus Saul, we guess, is going to retire. And then they got to, you know, they're going to have to resign Dennis Schroeder here. I mean, they they gave up an arm and a leg to get the guy. So I have to assume they're. I, what is his deal? Why is he so 
hit or miss. Well, dude, like <sighs> the guy is so fast, and he's he's just all. My, I like his game, but he doesn't. Um, I don't think he knows what he wants to do with the rock. It's so freaking weird. <laughs> yeah, man, he's a tricky one. I mean, he's a guy that like openly mocked the idea of like getting vaccinated, then got COVID, and you know he played poorly. Yeah, and the, the Lakers are going to have to pay him here. Um, they gave up Danny Green and a first round pick to acquire him. So if nothing else, they're just going to have to in- income to a contract, even if they want to eventually trade that guy. But they can't let him walk for nothing. So do you think AD? Do you think AD stays? I think yeah. yeah I, th- I think AD stays. I mean, what are you going to do? Trade off Anthony Davis? He's he's a wonderful player when he's healthy. They just got to figure out how to keep him on the court. And he didn't want to play the center position. Remember that? Like he he wanted to be power forward, and that that's also tricky because you bring in. Montrez Harrell, who like should be starting at power forward for the Lakers team currently. So here's the issue I see. Uh, the Lakers are up against the luxury tax. They're past the salary cap and they don't have a way to trade and acquire new talent. So Brooklyn was in a similar situation when they had Kyrie mm-hmm. and KD. They were right up against the mm-hmm. luxury tax. And then they said, you know what? We'll trade off all of our draft picks, acquire James Harden, and we'll, we'll pay the luxury tax after he's here. Milwaukee did mm-hmm. a similar thing with Drew Holiday. The problem with the Lakers is they spent all their draft capital on their second star, not the third one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I don't know what the, I don't know what we do from here. Do you think Frank Vogel's staying? You tell me. You got a finger on the pulse on this I, that that I don't have. I mean, I I, I feel like. The, Frank Vogel, I don't know that he's necessarily a problem. I think I think the the problem with the Lakers seems roster based. Uh, and and it, yeah, depth. It, it's depth. There's no depth. It's There's just no I, depth. I'm not saying that you fire Palenka or you fire Vogel, but the issue to me seems the roster construction as much as it is the lineups. Um, I don't know what they're doing with Andre Drummond. Like the fact that they acquired him and started him. And then again, the most crucial game of the season, he's a DNP. I don't know, man. I don't know how, I don't know how you get LeBron (laughs) younger and healthier. I don't know how you get Anthony Davis to be healthier. They need a third piece here, right? Like they they need a third piece. I, I think there was a lot of criticism that they didn't go out and acquire Kyle Lowry at the trade deadline. It is funny though that when you see a, a perfectly healthy LeBron, even at his age, and a perfectly healthy Anthony Davis, and the team is running these fast breaks like they do, like when they're good, it's it almost looks unbeatable. They're a great one-two punch, but it falls apart too easily without both of them. Yeah, it man. It falls apart way too easily. And it's, it's uh, you know, it's like saying a perfectly healthy LeBron who's 38 yeah. <laughs> on, on a busted yeah. ankle, you know, Anthony Davis yeah. with a groin issue, an Achilles issue. It's like the same thing with the Golden State Warriors when they had Kevin Durant. It's like, hey, if, if Kevin Durant's yeah. Achilles doesn't snap, that team is unbeatable, but it it snapped. So guess what? The, the Raptors beat him. Yeah. Kendrick Perkins did a whole thing on that. Like, uh, the media puts too much pressure on like saying that injured guys need to at least try out there. And it's like, look at what happened to AD ruin moral and ruin morality. Look at what happened to KD. You know, it's just like, yeah, it doesn't, why are we putting too much pressure on it? They should be able to know their bodies enough without having to deal with you know, the bullshit. All right. Schroeder, Morris, Drummond, Matthews, Horton Tucker, Caruso, Dudley, Macklemore. Who do you want back? Oh, <laughs> uh, Horton Tucker for sure. Yeah. 
Caruso? I like Caruso. Yeah. I, I like Caruso as a backup point guard, actually. I think he's pretty okay. Um, I don't want Macklemore. I don't need Morris. I don't need Dudley. No, I mean, like, they're staying. I, or, you know, a lot of these, these are all are minimum staying. level guys, man. You're at, yeah, th- these are guys these that are, I'm looking at my waiver wire on fantasy basketball, yeah. and I'm like, nah, I'm and all here's right. Here's the thing, man. Like, Horton Tucker and Caruso are getting pay raises. You know, they, they've yeah. been they've been minimum level players. They're getting paid. And, and they re-signed Kuzma. Right. I think Kuzma's I think Kuzma's on the outs, man. I mean, I think he makes Dude, no one wants him. No one wants him. And he sometimes has these moments of Kuz control, but <laughs> f- few and far between. Few and far between. All right, give me a final thought here on the rest of the NBA playoffs. So we have Atlanta playing Philly. You got Phoenix playing Denver. Utah is going to play the winner of uh, the Clippers and the Mavericks. And then we have Brooklyn and Milwaukee. I love an NBA when the shooting guards are just so fun and exciting. So it's like you have Trey Young, who's just like just as exciting as Devin Booker to watch. And like you have these guys who just, you know, they're just fun guys. So it's like I like having the identity of those players in the NBA playoffs. But like. I don't even know who I'm rooting for anymore. I I don't know. What, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not invested in a team long. It's enough not the Clippers. We we for. know you're not rooting for the Clippers. I hate the Clippers. <laughs> I'll. I would love to see Luca take out the Clippers. That'd be so fun. Same same, uh, same building, back to back nights. Doncic and Booker putting up those two performances. Yeah. Oh yeah, Luca. Luca, I not mean, bad either. Holy Moses. I tell you what, I think Luca's awesome. I think that Brooklyn Milwaukee series is going to feel a lot like the NBA Finals. I'd be okay with Giannis going all the way. Yeah, yeah, I'd be happy. Yeah, for Giannis. He, he deserves it. Yep. Look, Phoenix is fun, but I am not. <laughs> I mean, whether this is controversial or not, I'm not like, yeah, good for Chris Paul getting to the second round of the playoffs. It's like, give me that. Well, the guy's just been bouncing around. Like, what are we talking about? I like that he I, he's undeniably talented. He's unbelievable. Okay, he's so freaking good. But why don't you stay on a team longer than the State Farm commercial? A contract and we'll be okay you know i don't know he does not look like a fun guy to play with i mean like like if i just don't know why i'm not a chris paul fan as much as i I don't know i don't i don't run into a lot of people sharing this opinion with me like i i feel i think he's annoying i think he's like legit those state farm commercials really pushed me over the edge on may 6th 1985 identical twins were separated at birth Despite their different upbringings, they shared one invaluable trait. They were both born to assist. Chris Paul was destined to become the ultimate team player. Cliff Paul was destined to lead a life of helping others. Who is Cliff? We enough with Cliff. Cliff Enough with Cliff. But I also just like I don't get enough. I mean, I, I, I still, when I go, man, Chris Paul is just the meanest player out there. I think Charlotte, I think New Orleans, Yeah, you know, uh, and, and it's crazy that I have to go, oh no, it was New Orleans. It was Clippers. It was the Rockets, Houston, Oklahoma yeah, City, OKC to Phoenix. And I don't know, like, yeah, sure. I'm happy for him, but he's, 
I don't I don't need a victory tour for him. He just doesn't he didn't earn it for me. He's an amazing player. He's an all-star. I like seeing him in the all-star game, make incredible passes. But I, I haven't gotten behind seeing him take a team all the way to the finals. And he's not responsible for taking Phoenix to the finals if they do go to the finals. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yeah. But that but that's the reality. It's not like he makes or breaks the team. No, yeah. And you know, I mean Booker was incredible last night. Let's be real. Devin yeah. Booker was incredible. And and Chris Paul was has been playing on one arm. You know, like he Ama- but amazing basketball IQ. You can't deny that. Sure. The guy is like the guy, it's like having another Jason Kidd or a coach out there. You know, like he's got an amazing basketball IQ. But he's not the reason they're going to the second round. Of the uh, let's see if I sing a different tune next year if he's the uh, point guard of the the Knicks <laughs> running the show at Madison Square Garden. Uh, oh, my God. He's definitely a Nick. I mean, you know who his agent <laughs> used to be, right? Leon Rose. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that works. <laughs> yeah, that works. I mean, like, uh, you you and I play a game sometimes where it's like, name a player. And you just go, yeah, they were a Nick once. <laughs> It's just like, Incredible. of course. All right. Before I let you go, we both love we both love the Live from Las Vegas album, Frank Sinatra. Yeah. Give me your give it. me your favorite song here. So I'll, I'll give you the the entire playlist. We got the intro. Uh, I got the world on a string. What a world! What a life! I'm in love. I get a kick out of you. Luck be a lady. My heart stood still. I got a crush on you. Mac the knife. You love that monologue. You are crazy for the monologue. Good morning, you bunch of drunks. Oh, I see a lot of booze and wine flowing around here tonight. Ah, damn, this is the night, isn't it? Saturday? I didn't ask you to answer me. I've memorized the monologue. It's such a great album. It's such a crazy good album. It's insane. You you just hear... You hear everything. You hear the audience. You hear him talk about his pants. You hear him talk about the owner of the casino. You just hear him riff. And I was like, oh, this is a hell of an album. It's like a comedic album. It really is. It's hear, so like, good. The vibe. It's so good. All right. So your, num- yeah. your number one song off that album is what? I think Pennies from Heaven. Pennies from Heaven. Or also Luck. Uh, but, but the Luck Be a Lady recording on there is amazing. They call you Lady Luck. But there is room for doubt. At times you have a very unladylike way of running out. You're on this date with me. The pickings have been lush. And yet before this evening is over, you might give me the brush. You might forget your manners You might refuse to stay And so the best that I can do is pray Right at the end of the song Be a lady tonight Luck be a lady Oh, 
11. <laughs> Screams 11 in this thing. And I love that part. Oh, my yeah, God. Good, good memories. Too. All right, Trev, I'm going to let you go. I know you got plenty to do over there. One last time, the play is called The Great Filter. It's running July 1st to 3rd uh, at the Lower East Side venue, The Wild Project. Following the live run, the, there will be a ticketed virtual presentation beginning July 29th. All the proceeds yep. from the virtual ticket sales and, and the live show are benefiting the Cultural Solidarity Fund, which uh, provides relief, micro-grants to artists and cultural workers impacted by the pandemic. What else? Anything else you need to plug here? Anything else we need to know about the production? No, I, I'm, I'm just really excited uh, for people to see it, and I'm also uh, really excited that I got the opportunity to talk to you today, man. Likewise. It's really good to see you and, and love what you guys are doing with the pod and uh let's see how these playoffs uh turn out i'm sure it's gonna be fun more to talk it's about. gonna be fun all right welcome back yeah. to new york trev we love you and uh, i'll see you in a little bit love you pal all right later all right see you chris you can listen to switch, switch. 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 switch.